You're listening to Becoming CEO, where we share our journeys as solo founders to becoming the CEO of seven-figure businesses. And these are our behind-the-scenes conversations as we figure it out. And these are things that most people just aren't sharing. Would you rather be rich and obscure or poor and famous? Um, rich and obscure for sure. Um, okay. Better question. Pick two rich, poor, obscure, famous. I mean, I, I, what do you mean? Pick two, like rich and rich, pick rich or poor and pick obscure or famous. Rich and obscure. Why? Because I don't feel like I need to be like a public facing person. Like I'd rather just be, I don't think I would survive being famous, nor do I think I want what comes along with fame. Obviously I don't have it. um, But I know people that are quote unquote more famous than me and that have some similar personalities and they're like, you know, some of the cons that they share, I'm like, I don't think I would be willing to sacrifice some of that just for, just for fame. For example, uh, like getting stopped in the street, like anywhere you go or in like public that places. doesn't happen to you. Very rarely. <laughs> like the, the most, the most, uh, the one or two times that's ever happened was like, I was, I was checking out a new co-working space here in Denver. And one of the guys like pulled me aside. He's like, dude, I listen, I watch your YouTube channel. And I was like, well, that's cool. And, and I felt really awkward. Like I didn't even know how to operate with that person. I was like, do you like it? (laughs) You know, it was, it was really socially awkward. I'm not like a normally socially awkward person, but like, I don't know. What do you do with that? I'm like, thank you. Like the, Okay. Thank you for tuning in. Like, you know, um, can I tell you my quick story there? (laughs) Sure. So, so for those who don't know, I live in Canada and, uh, you know, a few years ago we used to run ads more aggressively in both the U S and Canada today, all our advertising is all in the U S so no one's stopping me in the streets in Canada. Okay. Cause they don't, they don't strategy. Yeah. Well, yeah. Just run outside, run ads outside of Denver basically. And you'll be fine. Yeah. Um, but back in the day, we used to, A, we used to spend a lot more on ads than we do today, uh, very aggressive and, and across North America. So I would get stopped. I would get spotted. It wasn't like a daily thing by any means, but the first time it happened was hilarious. I was at Best Buy on Black Friday, trying to buy myself a big screen TV as you do, <laughs> Black Friday. Friday. Right? And, um, like, well, what year is this? Why are you not buying online? <laughs> yeah th- no this is pre-covid so this is probably like 2019 maybe 20 okay. yeah okay. 20 be after covid but something like that yeah 2019 probably and um this guy kind of like very awkwardly like sidles up to me <laughs> he's like hey are you uh are you the guy on youtube and i'm like uh well there's lots of people on youtube yeah i'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm probably one of them <laughs> 
He goes, oh, are you the guy that runs, uh, you know, like like something about consulting or something like that? I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's me. He's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I really like your ads, like your videos. I'm like, yeah, cool. Um, so I'm gonna buy this TV now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you have that was nice to the guy, right? Um, yeah. I actually find it happens a lot more in like extended social circles. So I'll be like at a family wedding or something. And like the groom's brother will come up to me and be like, oh, I see you on LinkedIn all the time, blah, blah, blah. And like, I'll strike up a conversation. I get oh, that a lot. Um, yeah, by no means famous, but I do have these kind of awkward social interactions where people know me based on my kind of digital persona and like they see the content on social media and then they make approaches. It definitely happens. Right. Yeah, I think the so the the this topic for everyone listening kind of came from, uh, I was having a a good conversation with a, with a buddy of mine and it kind of like wove between this, like in our kind of sphere, coaching, consulting, you know, this online creator economy, you know, when you put yourself out there and you create a lot of content, you sometimes have like micro influence inside of, you know, the small sphere of the internet corner of the internet that you 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 know you, you exist in and like in some cases you like some people i mean like part of the reference of this the the spark of the conversation coming came from the fact that this past saturday you know at the time of recording this hormozy launched his book and there were over half a million people registered with two hundred and fifty thousand plus people live watching on a saturday morning for 90 minutes from all over the world like that is, I think there's already like, it's a Guinness, Guinness record of like largest live virtual event, book launch, whatever in history. And it's like the, like that dude literally can't go anywhere without being seen, spotted, autograph, photo, you know, sort of thing. And um, we were kind of just kind of talking about like that versus the guy who or gal who makes a ton of money that you would have never heard of that like lives their own life just fine. And like, we were kind of going back and forth on that. And one of the things that it kind of led to, which I actually think might be the more interesting piece of the conversation is like, so what drives us assuming you want to build this business and be known or even make a lot of money, I guess, to uh, like achieve such high levels that you'd even be in a sphere where people might actually want to know who you are. And the conversation led to like the impact of like social media. Like obviously it's done a lot of great things for connecting people, but like um, he made the comment, he's like, I took social media off my phone and I've for and I had it off my phone for months and I felt better than ever. I'm back on social media thinking that I can control it. And, you know, in the early stages, I'm like, oh, I got, you know, I got a handle on this now. Like, I'm not going to let it kind of take over the, like what I want and the feeling, like make me feeling like I have to achieve these bigger, higher, faster scale goals than what I typically feel like I want. And he's like, but lo and behold, it happens every single time. And I'm like, I feel the exact same way. Like I'll go through waves of having these things off my phone. And I'm like, ah, I finally like, I hear my own voice. These are the things that are important to me. These are my values. These are the things that success, like what success looks like and feels like to me. 
And it's not the things that I see online that come with a lot of these accolades. You end up on, you know, back on social media for any sort of time. And I'm like, man, like I feel this urge, like I'm supposed to, or have to go way bigger than I'm going right now. And it creates this interesting pressure. And, and, you know, obviously you start to like feel, I feel bad about myself. (laughs) And he was just saying, he's like, but is that like where the pressure comes from? Like, is it literally just the fact that we're on social media? He's like, cause like, if you're not there, there's clearly not pressure. Like if you lived in the woods and never saw any of this stuff, like, would you not ever encounter this? And it just like kind of started this interesting conversation of like, it's so powerful for us and what we can do. And like my business would not be where it's at without the internet and these platforms. Yet at the same time, you spend enough time on it. And it's like this drug, which obviously it's designed to be. And you now want these things, like you find yourself wanting things that you're like, do I really want this? Like, is this actually important? And it's almost difficult to decipher the difference. Yeah. You got to be the dealer, not the junkie. (laughs) Totally. Anyway, so I was reading this book, Wanting, which I, we just finished, which is about mimetic desire, which is basically like everything we're talking about. Like as humans, the only thing we know is to desire something that other people have. And we have these models that you typically emulate and like social media has put us in close, closer proximity to hundreds of thousands of people at once that we can now see as models versus historically before all of this was like, Oh, I like, I want to be like my dad. You know, like I see, you only see so many people in the world that you model and you want to be like those people. But now you have, you know, countless people that you could choose to model and it kind of creates some interesting things. And so that it kind of led to like, man, like part of me is like, if I could live in the woods and like have a successful business that did not require me to have to do a YouTube video or, you know, put my face on an ad or something like that, that like, would that be great? Like, wouldn't that be, wouldn't that be cool? (laughs) Uh, What does that look like or feel like? which you could argue is just equally another version of mimetic desire of wanting what someone else might have. But I don't know. What's your take? What's your take on all this? Yeah. Uh, it's funny. I was having a similar conversation with uh, somebody on my team the other day. I, I have like two competing desires and I'm not sure which one's going to win. I actually have, I actually do have a good hunch which one's going to win, but one desire is, you know, I feel like I don't have enough of a platform. Not enough people know who I am. I don't That's have true, enough huh? of a thought leadership stamp, you know, and I don't mean fame. I mean, influence. I have zero desire to get stopped on the street and sign autographs, like none whatsoever. I do have desire to be more widely respected in my market, in my relevant market, i.e. among people that can pay me money. Right. And work with and us. And so is that is that purely the only reason? Like you know that the the financial impact that it has on the business, or are there other reasons why you crave to be perceived that way more than you are now? Well, impossible question to answer because the ego is gonna run amok when you get your first t- taste of fame and significance. Right? The ego is gonna love it. You, you yeah. Think about the first time. Think about the first time somebody complimented you on your content. I love that video that you put up. 
you know, the ego yeah. got a real rush out of that, right? But the first time somebody got in a sales call and said, man, I love your material. I want to work with you. Ego got a rush out of that. The first time yeah. a client said, like, this has been a fantastic experience. I really respect what you're doing. The yeah. ego's getting all kinds of thrills there, right? So totally. it's, it's an impossible question to answer. Like, logically, I want it for the financial impact, but I'm not going to lie to you and say my ego doesn't like people respecting me. <laughs> Obviously, my ego loves it, yeah. right? Right. Um, so on the one hand, like, I have that desire. You know, we tell our clients, you know, we want you to go from being a wandering generality to a meaningful specific. And that's, I think, that's what I desire. Book? Yeah, it's from something. I don't know where it's from. Yeah. yeah. So I just stole it. Lock, stock, and yeah. barrel without credit. So yeah. Um, like, that's what I desire more than anything. I don't want to be like the big, you know, I don't want to be an Alex Hermosi or a Gary V, like big, huge guru. I don't have the temperament for it. Like I'm not on social media at all. I don't have it. Yeah. I yeah, I and I still to this day I'm like so impressed by that. Uh, you know, the grass is always greener. I I have personal Instagram on my phone, uh, but I don't follow anybody in business. It's all just like yeah. other things, so I don't see any I business. No, I have no, I, I don't have enough discipline for that. <laughs> so I, as your desire to be a big personality, I, I do have desire to have deeper influence among my relevant target markets. Let's put it that way. That's that's one desire. And then the competing desire, it's very similar to yours, is, you know, I would also just love to be a behind the scenes figure that builds businesses and uses other people as talking heads, right? And so yeah, yeah. big thing that we're talking about here, um, we had this conversation on the podcast uh, not yeah. too long ago, and, and we're making moves in this direction is solidifying partnerships with other thought leaders, experts, you know, talking heads, if you will. And who who have the expertise but don't have the scalability, right? Don't have that 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 capability to scale, if you will. Yeah. And then you know we run the business on the back end. They do you know all the talking head stuff and all the thought leadership stuff and all the fulfillment stuff. And so that's also appealing because that's you know more like the guy in the woods that runs a bunch of businesses, right? And and doesn't have to yeah. necessarily be the the face of any of them, right? Ultimately, I think the latter is a stronger desire, and and ultimately, I think it's going to be both. I'm gonna I'm gonna continue for the foreseeable future to be the face of my business because that's what's working, totally. and and then also build other businesses where I'm not the face, and then what wins yeah. in the long term? Who knows? Yeah. So I could easily hear you tell me that what I'm about to say is is another episode, and that's totally fine. Um, the because when I start going down this this rabbit hole right like okay well i want to grow i want to hit these certain goals for whatever reason um i quickly my mind quickly goes to okay like i don't think at least right now i can't see myself hitting like say 65 and like doing nothing right like so like i need something to be doing um i you know maybe won't be working as much as i am now um, but when I think of like our model and like consulting, training, knowledge work, even if you are consulting, like I don't, consulting is not going anywhere. Like agency, you know, services, I don't think it's going anywhere anytime soon. It's been around for decades. And it's like, I know that like, I feel good that like I can hang my hat on something like, should I need to like create income? But like when I start to think of man's, to 15 years from now, 
you know, 20 years from now, if all of my income is tied to my brain, like AKA, like intellectual property is being monetized in some way, shape or form. I, I don't know, for some reason, I'm like, I feel a little concerned about that. And like, so even if even consulting and being behind the scenes of another person's business, it's like, I mean, yes, I think there's I'm interested in it. I'm pursuing that path. But like, how can we actually decouple in such a knowledge worker economy? How can we decouple our income from intellectual property? Is it really just investing? Like one of one of my new local friends who just moved here, he owns a SaaS company and he has like a portfolio of SaaS companies. Obviously not knowledge work. It's like SaaS. He's not doesn't have to hop on, you know, YouTube or anything like that. They build a business, uh, has really, you know, uh almost an eight-figure business and just one of the SaaS companies. And he was like, I had this conversation with him on Monday, and he was like, he was like, yeah, like everything you're saying is like agencies, consulting, all of that stuff. Like, and this is obviously take a grain of salt. There's other people have different opinions. These are all going to be your cash vehicles. And he's like, to me, he's like, you probably don't want to be going to launch a ton of other businesses or be supporting a ton of other businesses. You probably just want to create as much cash flow as you can and then put it into these investments that are, you know, someone else's active income and your passive income, a la like commercial real estate, or, um, you know, the like multifamily where you kind of get involved in like, hey, 50 people come together to put together this multifamily unit. Um, and, and you're one of many investors, and kind of like this group investment model that pays dividends, possibly just angel investing in other companies where you're like, couple percentage points and they might actually have an exit because it's like a an exitable thing versus say like an agency, which yes, they're exitable, but the percentage wise, not going to be that great in most of them. And that just got me thinking too. It's like, okay, well maybe, maybe my, my learning time and my study time that's going to set me up for the next 20 years is actually learning skills of investing, not acquiring businesses, for example. I think it depends what you're optimizing for though, right? So like if if the goal is, you know, in 20 years, I want to be doing as little work as possible and not tie my income to my effort or my intellectual property and I want to make as much money as possible, then yeah, you're probably right. Like invest in real estate, invest in the stock market, like put your money in sound, solid, long-term investments that can pay income and dividends and earn a, a yield without your effort or your IP. It makes yeah. sense. Yeah. If on the other hand, like I'm not opposed to all those things, I think what's what I'm optimizing for more than income or passive income, if you will, is interesting work. Yeah, like oh, I, for sure. I, I have a high, I have a high need to be like intellectually Creative. stimulated and engaged, right? And so, yeah. don't get me wrong, I want the money. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah. but, but I also think the money is going to be there no matter what. And so, you know, I'm more interested in you know 
who can I work with that's interesting? What projects look cool? What's going to help me refine my and expand my skill set? What's going to make me a more potent business owner, entrepreneur, human being? And that's going to send you down a completely different path, right? That's not investing in real estate. And obviously, the two are not mutually exclusive. Yeah, right? yeah, totally, right. totally. Yeah, and that's a that's a great point. I, I everything that I said, I definitely overlooked the fact that. I mean, part of the reason why I'm going through some of the things that I shared on last episode, like this evolution, you know, redesign, if you will, is is because I kind of, in some ways, I'm like, my next level is going to require new skills, like new skill acquisition. And so I need to put myself in environments where I'm forced to learn those things and put things into practice. So like, you know, working with clients one-on-one, re-codifying different systems to like hand off to somebody where I'm not the face. Like I'm already kind of in some of that, like, ooh, like I'm creatively challenged again. And there's a level of fulfillment in that that uh, was was missing for sure, like to stay sharp. And, and, and I, I am anchoring it against the, th- the next five to 10 years for me outside of just continuing to grow what we have is how do I learn more, expand my, my knowledge and experience and understanding of more, more general business investing and any other skills that are associated to that to open up some new potential doors. Um, so yeah, that that creative stimulation is, is super important for me. While I know for some others, like they could totally just operate. Like they're not as create, like their need for creativity is not as high. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a very I'm, personal, I'm more it's a very art. I feel like thing. I'm more artist than business person in many cases. See, I think a big caveat to this conversation though, is here's a hot take. I think you have to earn the right to have this conversation. I don't know many people, and I'm sure they're out there. I'm not saying they don't exist, but yeah. I don't know many people that have built considerable businesses, like seven figures plus, that were not on the back of a very strong personal brand. In in consulting, you oh, know, well, yeah. advisory. Yeah, for sure. Right? Yeah, yeah you run a SaaS business, different story, right? But within yeah, yeah. within this scope... I just don't know of anybody, right? For probably for obvious reasons, right? Because if a consulting advisory business is driven by the expertise, expertise is contained in individuals and human beings, right? Totally. So, so I, I want to make that kind of cautionary note because I'm thinking, you know, what do we do with our clients? Mm-hmm. We turn them into thought leaders, <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> because you know yeah. you don't hire a consultant unless you can engage with their expertise somehow somewhere for free on social media or on their website and determine that they have the expertise that you need to solve a problem right, right. now and and, I, and and the fact is we get a lot of pushback from people well i don't want to be the face and i want to sell this thing and i'm like you have no business even entertaining the idea of selling anything cuz you have nothing yeah. right like yeah, yeah. oh totally optimize yeah. for revenue first right and then maybe one day you could back out and sell it, but but that's you have to earn the right to have that conversation. So you and I are sitting around talking about do we want to be famous? And the reality is, you know, we had to achieve a certain level of fame or notoriety in order to even earn the right to have this conversation. One hundred percent. Yeah, great caveat. Um, and yeah, I think I 
I'm pretty sure we talked about this on an episode. I know I did a YouTube video on it. It's like, if you're in this line of work, AKA you're listening to our podcast, consulting agency, training, coaching, the, like, you have to be a marketer. You have to be a salesperson. Like, because if you're going to, if you think you're going to build a successful business and someone else is going to do both of those things for you, they might as well do it for themselves because that's where all of the money comes from, <laughs> you know, like, and so if you've been holding back on that because you don't want to be the face, it's like, well, then you, sh you also might want to consider a different profession, unfortunately, like, or learn, like you got to learn the skills find someone that's willing to do it, which is going to be hard, like, and very unlikely, or just do something different. But yes, the level of conversation, you know, and it's funny, even my friend who we were, I was chatting with that kind of start sparked this whole thing. He was like, he made a couple times the comments like, yeah, like people like us were like, very fortunate to be in this position to even be like, discussing this in the first place. Um, because we've gone through enough to get here. So, yeah, I, I do think that that's important, um, you know, so. Well, this, this, beware. We, we see this all the time, right? People come and come to us and they go, well, you know, I just, I don't want to do the marketing myself, but I want to sell myself. And they're, you know, earlier stage. They haven't earned the right to even have that conversation. I just want to delegate this. I want to hire somebody. I want to find someone to figure this out. And I'm like, if I could solve your marketing and sales problem and all you did was fulfillment, I would never partner with you. Totally. I would just hire you. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's my yeah, business. Yeah. Now, if I solve the marketing and sales, because sometimes people will say, well, they'll be like, oh, well, why don't you partner with us? I'm like, for what? If I'm going to solve yeah. the problem for you, that's my business. You're my employee. We yeah, ain't partners. Yeah. Right. Because fulfillment, right. I can hire anybody to do fulfillment. You might think you're a special snowflake. The yeah, fact yeah. is there's 10 or 15 or 20 more people out there like you I could hire if I had the sales and marketing solved. That's the real challenge. Yeah. Yeah. Because I'd have the money to pay for top, top talent. Early stage, if you're not solving for marketing and sales yourself as the founder, uh, you're in big trouble. Now, yeah, you could get to the point where you've earned the right to have the conversation about can I back out and not be the face and can I bring on a team and are there other ways to bring in revenue without me being the, you know, front and center and all the material? Yeah. You get to that point. I'm not frankly there. <laughs> no, not am I. And I mean, and it's funny because I mean, I talked to people, I was talking to someone yesterday that, I mean, they're at like 25 K a month and they're like talking about, uh, you know, having this business run without them and be sellable. And I was like, I mean, I know you probably won't listen to me when I like, but go watch the most recent video of Hormozy or whoever, when he talks about gym launch was worth nothing because it was tied to his face, even though they were doing, you know, 30 million a year or whatever. And it took him, it took three years to, remove himself, get it running without him to the point where it ran long enough without him that it demonstrated to potential buyers that it was valuable and it required a lot of work and a lot of investment. 
and of the agency, at least the people that I know, like the agency owners that uh, I have a friend who works with agencies that try to sell. And, you know, she says, she's like, the interesting thing about agencies is like, you kind of have to be at at least obviously get to a million before you're going to be able to sell. But most people get to a million and it's still not sellable. And they're so burnt out and exhausted that it's not, they're not willing to put in the, the next two to three years to make it sellable. And so they either just shut it down or they take next to nothing for it. I have a buddy of mine who's, who got an offer. He had, you know, his family of three, he got an offer for this business that is the business that moved me to Colorado. Uh, and it's a service slash like lead generation agency, but there's software that kind of made it a little bit, a little more enticing, even still he could exit now. And he's like, kind of done with it. Um, but if he just stayed in the business for three more years, like the profit that it like, three to four years of the profit that it, he already gets from it would equate to what he gets paid out in one lump sum, which is sort of terrifying because he's 43 years old, 44 years old, has three kids, not even in college yet. So like, like there's still a lot of expenses that are coming his way to have to like rebuild a business to get to that level from nothing is equally as hard. And so he's yeah. like, I don't even think I'm going to take it because I don't even know what I would do next. <laughs> uh, and so even like the, the pay, the multiples wouldn't even make sense for a lot of, a lot of us in service providers. And yeah, the effort to get it to be that way, you know, kind of requires you to do some of those scalable things that maybe have been part of the resistance so far, like, scaling out an outbound sales team so that sales isn't dependent upon your face because if it's dependent upon anybody's face or just paid ads the business is going to be less valuable like and if your face is all over the product like it's not as valuable and so it's just like man like there's even to make it sellable to the point where you'd probably accept a deal you're going to have to do a lot of things that are probably in direct conflict with the way in which you want to grow in the first place, as I'm thinking out loud, which then becomes, well, then how do I make this thing as much of a cash generation machine as possible while having fun, you know, back to the fulfilled, like the personal fulfillment piece. Yeah. I mean, that's my game in a nutshell. I, I mean, I get that there are some people who are like serial entrepreneurs. They just want to build one thing after another, after another. And I reserve the right to change my mind on this. I don't think it's me. Totally. I don't, yeah. I don't think I have it in me to do this again. You know, I think ride this sucker out for as long as I can. You know, I spent some of the best years of my life in my thirties building this company. Right. And I just, I don't know as I head into my forties, I just don't know that I have it in me to put in that kind of effort and take on that kind of risk and like ride that roller coaster. And I reserve the right to change my mind. Maybe something will totally, entice yeah. me enough to, to, but right now I'm just like, nah, you know, like I just want to hang out with my kids. <laughs> so do you, so that, that was another piece we can kind of, that was another piece on this conversation. It was like the waves of motivation of like, um, the guy that my friend that I was talking to, he's like, man, like I could go, I know I could go do this. He's like, I just, I don't know if I'm motivated to like work much harder than I'm working right now. <laughs> and he's like, 
I don't like that I can acknowledge that. He's like, and I don't know if that's because I have young kids. I don't know if that's because of, you know, he had a tough situation with business the last couple of years that like kind of took a lot of energy out of him. Like, or if it's just like, hey, we're approaching, well, he's younger than me, but like, is this maybe like an early midlife crisis, you know, that I'm feeling of some sorts? Like, I don't know. It's super interesting to be like, man, like I, I want to do more and achieve more. But I also am very aware of I'm willing to work harder than I am right now. And this might feeling might evolve, but like not that much harder than I'm working right now, <laughs> at least in this current state. Yeah, I, I, I don't have enough life experience to be able to say there's a lot of confidence, but just personal reflection is like I'm, I'm late thirties, very late thirties heading into my forties. And I just don't very, very see myself. I turned 39 in October. Uh, I just don't see myself putting in the kind of time and effort mm. that into my career at large that I put in my twenties and my early thirties. Oh, well, yeah. Yeah. I just, I just don't see it. I feel you on that. Um, so if you kind of had to unpack and, kind of look at what we were just chatting about, you know, rich, rich and famous versus, I mean, I don't know why would anyone would choose poor and obscure, first of all. So the fact that you gave that as an option, simple life, like, like simple rich, poor, poor and obscure is a simple life. I mean, it doesn't, that I don't think that that's mutually exclusive either. Like you could have a really difficult, complex life just because you're, because you're poor. So, the the real For debate what, when was I say poor, you, I, what I really rather, needed like bills paid, but yeah, not a lot of access. Like the yeah, the real debate was rich and famous or rich and nobody knows who you are. That was like the real those are the real options because I do care about money. I wanna I wanna make money uh and enough. You know, well, who's that one? Well, there's one famous quote, I forget who it's from. I think it was from a president or something, of like, you know the guy was talking and he's like, well, he'll have one thing. I'll, I have one thing he'll never have. And that's enough. And it's like knowing what enough is for you. Like I am in the realm of having enough. Um, I still want I have a little bit of ways to go, but like, I don't think I need to exert that much more energy or work that many more hours to like achieve that. Like, and I'm not in a race to get to it. Like it's within reach. Um, One of so, my yeah, mentors like, what is that? Me that there's only a couple of reasons to go grow and scale beyond three to $5 million a year in a business. One is passion. The second is ego. Who said that? One of my mentors, old mm-hmm. mentors. Uh, you either got to like, just care enough about the cause and making an impact to do yeah. it. Or you just, you got to want to have the bigger company and, and, uh, your ego has got to be invested enough in that outcome to do it. Yeah. And I think that's true. I feel it. Yeah. Um, so TLDR, Rishan Anonymous is okay. Uh, you have to earn the right to be having this conversation. And if you're a, you know, getting started early stage growth under half a million, a million dollars a year, you probably need to be the face of the company 
and be selling and marketing because nobody else is going to, that is your responsibility or else it would be their business. <laughs> um, keep it as simple as possible. When you get to a higher level, you can start having conversations of, of, uh, you know, diversification, if you will, maybe considerations of what type of personality you are, like are you, and what stage of life you're in. Um, you know, Hey, if you're turning 50 and you're thinking that you're going to take your 50 K a month business and exit, is that the best move based on your other life goals? Like maybe it's just, Hey, how do I figure out how to optimize this for fun and as much cash flow as possible sort of thing. So I think, you know, some, he some healthy bullets from this discussion, uh, for you, whether you're just getting started or, you know, you're already, uh, you've already earned the right, so to speak. Yeah. Interesting stuff. Thanks, Greg. I appreciate it. Yeah. Well, thanks for your intel and your perspective because it's, uh, um, I just posted on, on Facebook the, in this book that I, that I just read, they say one of the best ways to, to, to kind of talk to yourself is to talk to others which is what I love about podcasting, but, but you only ever really have a few true friendships where you could actually go deep enough in that level, like that type of conversation. And I, I, I put on that post, I can count the number of people on two hands that I would talk out loud with to the level in which I'm talking to myself. Uh, you are on that list. Um, and there's nine others. Now that. I'm jealous. What the no, hell? it's, it's, it's really just over. It's like, it just breaks into, it just breaks into, it might be, there might be seven. Um, the, re you the regular, you're, you're, like, you're one of the regulars though. Okay. You're one of the regulars. You have podcasts there's, with all them too? Jesus. Yeah, no, I do not. There's, there's three people that are regulars and you're one of the regulars. All right. Well, I'm flattered. I also love how this started with, I hate social media and ended with, I posted on Facebook. That's yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The, again, the, again, the irony the irony here is, uh, is abundant. <laughs> awesome. All right, guys, I hope you enjoyed this one. I would love to know personally what your biggest takeaway was from this. Uh, if you could take a screenshot tag out of myself or I'm at on, on Instagram or any of the socials that we're hopefully not going to be on to acknowledge since we're trying to be off of social media again, irony ensues. Uh, but we would love and appreciate that. And if you haven't given us a rating and review on the, on the uh, all the places, iTunes, et cetera, we would appreciate that as well. And we'll catch you next time.